Grandma, are you giggling over there? I watched as her ample chest moved up and down as she tried to suppress the giggles coming forward. I had just come to the end of a story of one of my favorite author, J. California Cooper's books, and it was the comeuppance that, and the payoff that we wanted. This is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to another podcast of Wisdom Smack. And I'm thankful that you're here with me. So come on in and let's talk about schadenfreude. Yeah, it's a big word, but don't worry. I got you. I'll see you on the flip. I know I shouldn't be laughing, but baby, that story was so good. You know, I know people just like that lady in that story. My grandmother said as she wiped tears from her eyes after laughing so hard at this story I had just read to her. It was funny how our relationship changed over the years. The older I got, the more I took on a role of introducing my grandmother to new things in the world. And I really enjoyed our times where I would take a book that I was reading and read it out to her while she was maybe doing something or sometimes just sitting around and spending quality time with me. On this particular occasion, I was reading one of the stories from one of my favorite authors, Jay California Cooper. And it was in the collection. So she wrote, for the most part, she uh, wrote a lot of short stories and she would put them in collections, but she did have a few novels. And um, you know what? I think I'll drop the book in the link and trust me, you will love it. J. California Cooper's wit was outstanding and she drew you in where you felt those characters. And she used different tenses. So sometimes she was doing first person, sometimes she was doing third person. And she just wove in a wonderful tapestry of, like I said, mother wit, down homeness, and the pain of the era that she grew up in. God rest her soul. Okay, so this story comes from uh, the book Homemade Love. And uh, yeah, I think I'll go on and drop a link. I think you really would enjoy it. It's a quick read. She's got about, uh, I'm doing off the top of my head, I think I'm, nine short stories in there, but they're they're just delightful. They're able to be read, like especially if you want to read before going to bed at night and you will enjoy them. So anyway, uh, I'm reading The Watcher. That's the one that I'm reading. And I'm not going to totally spoil it, but there is this neighborhood neighbor who is a busybody. I mean, she is in everybody's business. And it's kind of like you're reading it like, this woman is too nosy. Oh my God. I, you know, it's kind of like that person where you look at them and you say, just can you let me live? Because she was watching everybody in everybody's business. And like I said, I don't want to give it away, but just let to let you know, she got her comeuppance. <laughs> so that's what I kind of wanted to talk to you about today. The other day I talked about the seductive side of secrets and I talked about how they can go negative and how we can get into an area that's, you know, sort of kind of addictive. And I remember when I was in school uh, starting to learn the uh, different shared flaws that we have in society and this one 
gave me pause because I, I had never understood it. I never understood the little dark secret that I seemed to have and I'd have to catch myself. And when they gave us the term for it in, in um, my college and, and graduate studies, I was like, wow, that's deep. And the word is schadenfreude. Now, of course, it has many different uh, monikers and, and, and things like it's called, are you ready for this one? Epiphany's, sh- Epiphany's Shadow. I almost hiccuped trying to get it out. Um, it's also um, known as, are you ready for this one? It is called, uh, I'm happy when you're crappy. <laughs> I mean, just so many different things. Now they say in the um, Western countries that we don't really have a word for it. And some in their pious um hypocrisy have even said oh because we don't have a word for it because it doesn't exist the lies you tell so let me just let me just help you with this schadenfreude real quick like i said before it's that happy feeling you get when somebody else is um going through despair uh the actual term schadenfreude is german and it means to uh rejoice in harm or disgrace. Um, it is also, oh, I, now this is the one that I like from the Japanese. And I think that, well, let me see if I can find it. Okay, I should be more ready for these, but y'all, we just talking, right? Okay, so the Japanese say that for their uh, expression of schadenfreude, they say, the misfortunes of others taste like honey. Is that not deep? And the truth, child, hmm. <laughs> the Greeks uh, said that it meant to rejoice over disgrace. Um, you know what? There's a, a Guardian article. I love Guardian. I like to support them. If you if you would, I'll, I'll drop their link too. Go check them out. They do a wonderful job on um, the article told from um, one of their writers' first-person experiences of schadenfreude. Uh, but for the sake of time, like I said, I'll drop that link. And I, of course, will hook you up with my girl, bless her soul, rest in peace, Miss J. California Cooper. And the book, uh, The Watcher, uh, is in this particular book called Homemade Love. And it is, um, like I said, it's a story about somebody's comeuppance. It's when somebody gets theirs. Now, I want to be pious about this. I really do. But you know what? I would be lying to you and we don't have that kind of relationship. No, I think by now, if you've been listening to me, we have that relationship where I can just get down with the get down and tell you what's really up, right? Yeah, I'm imagining you saying right, right back at me. So the thing that I wanted to talk about today is that with the ability for us to globally see everybody's inner shadow immediately across the world through the medium of the internet, it's kind of like we're in this collective hive now. And with this collective hive, we can see our dark, our dark sides and we can feed our dark sides. There is an explosion going on right now where people who used to be marginalized are now making fortunes off of the back of our, uh, I I think it's almost genetic, but I'm not going to say genetic. I'm just going to say our internal flaw of this schadenfreude. Uh, I see on the um, on on YouTube and on gossip sites that are springing up bloggers 
vloggers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, the one of the fastest growing segments is the gossip side. There used to be a time where we only had a few uh, gossipers, professional gossipers, and if they pulled it off, they held power over over the powerful because of what they knew, the secrets they could keep or release or hint at. And it was just amazing. So I remember back uh, the uh, mid 2000s going into the teens, you uh, started to see these sites that will spring up online. And at first they started off as forums where people would gather together in their little in their little corners and they would kiki and, and laugh and talk about stuff, but they would do it in code. And they would do things like change the names of the person, uh, maybe change their gender, but it was a way for them to talk about people's misfortunes, whether it be who had the latest STD, who got caught on the down low, who caught caught cheating, who lost their fortune, who was lonely, who had bad breath. I mean, you name it. And it was it was pervasive. And I uh, was like, hmm, that's interesting. Now, at the time, well, I still work a lot. But at the time, I was trying to hold down two full time jobs, uh, one in corporate America and one as therapist. And I just didn't really have time to uh, go and spend that much time on the Internet looking at other people's stuff. And it was so much so because my, my uh, parents and grandparents had taught me, as I said in another podcast on uh, the seductiveness of secrets, was that if you got that much time to be in somebody else's business, you're not working hard enough. And so that was my thing that I would do. And I would actually kind of get frustrated when I would talk to friends. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I was a little snitty in, in my youth, you know, a little too pious there. I'm, I'm, I'm just here to tell you. If somebody called me and, and I noticed too often that they wanted to talk about other people instead of us or, or me or them, I was ready to get off the phone. I was like, okay, you ain't talking about nothing. You're not edifying me. You're not um, trying to listen to what I'm saying, you know, because I'm, as you can tell, I'm a thinker. <laughs> I, I paint in, in, in vivid imagination and ain't nobody got time for all of that. Now, um, a quick little did you hear, you know, catch up, fine. But I wasn't trying to go down the rabbit trails of other people's lives. And I'm still t- like that for the most part. Um, but I had to cry uncle and realize that in each one of us, we have this dark flaw. And the psychology training in me wanted to investigate it as to why it's there. And I, I just noticed that there were some sometimes uh, m- some people had a higher propensity for it than others. So much so that at this current time of recording, there is a popular daily broadcast with a person with the one name. Um, is it, Their first name is the name of their uh, daily show. And it, begin, it, it begins with a W. I'm not going to you know say much about that. I'm just going to say that this uh, talk show host or daily gossip show host, uh, they <laughs> have... Um, said often oh you're my people meaning that they are quote-unquote here for it when they hear the misfortunes of others and they really do rejoice in it with abandon and i and 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 so this was to me the culmination and the evolution of what i was starting to see way back when so growing up in my small town um it was schadenfreude central 
we would have people that would do nothing but go and play card games and y'all they would have the nerve to call them lady socials they would even try to blame it on I'm not going to say the um, sorority it's it's the sister side of the um, the masons but they would I would like why are these women sitting around playing cards and talking about everybody's business but their own you know and uh, my grandmother um (laughs) <laughs> she was a she was a wonderful woman but i would tell you she you know she 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 wasn't one of those people who was always in someone's business she wasn't a a, a gossip monger by any stretch of the imagination so don't get me wrong on that but she would laugh and kiki you know a little bit and then she'd straighten it up so uh like i said before nobody is immune nobody even though she did her best to try to teach us not to do it eh, you know people will be people so i'm seeing this growing up and then I start to see these little forums building on the internet. And then the forums become bloggers, major bloggers, where you start with the, and I don't want to say start with because there were other bloggers that I, I, I started to see gaining popularity and power before Perez Hilton. Um, but then this person had the leap into mainstream. And once that happened, um, I started to see the growth uh, of it coming online to YouTube because it's easier to hop on and make a video than it is to try to come up with the written word and all this kind of stuff. And so now a days, if you go online every other day, somebody is starting a YouTube channel that talks about the gossip and the uh, the the dismay and the uh, mishaps and misfortunes of others for the purpose of entertainment and to spread their elation and joy or to help you get your fix for your uh, edification and your joy. And the thing that I notice is not necessarily these days, the content that's going on in the video, because a lot of times it just rehashes of what TMZ, Perez Hilton, um, I don't want to, you know what, I shouldn't be calling out these these companies. Just suffice it to say, they make a lot of money. But sometimes it's just really a rehash of that with a little extra opinion added on to it to get people saying, mm-hmm, yeah, you're right. So the real magic is happening down there in those comments. I mean, there are people who are taking sides, they're fighting against each other. And then there is the bigger community that has been the classic schadenfreude off, um, offspring. And that is the shared community of the, um, com- uh, the, of the communal ritual of gossip. I mean, people, what is that saying? My enemy uh, and your enemy makes us friends. I know I just butchered that. Don't at me. <laughs> but there is a, a ritual of a community that surrounds gossip. And when I was uh, learning this stuff way back when, I wanted to know why are people so gossipy? Why do people want to be in other people's business so much? And it is because there is a camaraderie. There is an attachment. There is a society. It keeps you from being lonely and ostracized because sometimes people 
don't want to talk about their own mishaps. What is that famous saying? If I don't have nothing nice to say, I won't say it at all. Now, it used to be, if I don't have nice anything nice to say about you, I won't say anything at all. But yeah, you know how that goes. So, you know, sometimes people don't want to put their business out, but they have no problems talking about your business. And because of that, it's kind of like they can get the release and the relief they need from their stuff by talking about yours. So now, why is it that Schadenfreude has uh, become a big business for uh, the entertainment industry? And why is it that we can't, we can't seem to quit that fool? We just cannot seem to get over our need to uh, laugh at the, un- the unfortunate mishaps of others. Well, I made some notes, y'all. <laughs> okay. For the one thing, this is the biggest part. Now, um, when I started having to do my, um, what do you call it? Uh, my internships. Yeah, my internships for the different uh, places to, you know, be able to get your credit hours, get your supervisory hours to, to do counseling and stuff. I remember, I remember being forewarned that if you have a client who comes in and they talk about their other uh, therapists and they say things like, uh, they were no good, they, they didn't help me, they were trash, but you're wonderful. Run, don't take them on, and just be like, I cannot help you. And it wasn't because of, uh, it, it, well, I, I'm not going to say it wasn't all because of them. It was because of us, because there is this, this transference of us wanting um, our clients to get better. And in that is couched us wanting for them to like us. And so if you have a client who has already said all this stuff about these other people, guess what's going to happen? It's not a might, it is a foregone conclusion that you're going to be added to that list and you're going to be playing into their uh, schadenfreude. Now, how does that, how do, how do you make the leap from that? Okay. What usually happens is, is they get a little pleasure out of telling you about the other therapist and usually get this y'all. Usually it's not because the therapist quote unquote failed them so much as it's they're usually telling you about how inferior the therapist was to them in some form or fashion. It may be where the therapist was always late or they always had something going on or their their place was shoddy or they uh, always had them meeting at different places because they couldn't pay their rent to stay in one place to see clients. I mean, just cuckoo-ness. And it was based on this. Now, with that, we also had to learn that schadenfreude helps us to maintain our own status. Um, it's, a, it's where we can say, well, at least somebody else is doing worse than me. It helps us to alleviate our inferiorities. And so that's another reason why people um, commiserate, if you will, together in these little gossipy uh, sections. Now, let me tell you something. Don't stick your nose up and don't say, oh, that's never going to meet me. If you really step back and try to be as objective as you can with the good uh, times you have with um, some of your friends, you might find that uh, some portion, if not a lot of it, has to do with your mutual connection over disliking or kicking, laughing about somebody else. 
It doesn't even have to be a celebrity. It could be one of your mutual friends. Y'all get together and y'all be like, girl, did you see his, uh, did you see her boyfriend, child, please? You know, and you're laughing about it. And it's it's funny. I mean, it's so much so that it's not, it has not, it's not even just the gossip realm. Have you ever watched something and somebody fell and you just had to laugh? That's schadenfreude. I'm telling you, it's pervasive. It's all over the place. So none of us get to be, you know, high and mighty about this. Um, like I said before, it's that communal ritual of gossip that ingratiates people uh, far and wide together. <laughs> it's a spectator sport where you can sit back and like uh, my grandmother used to say, you can sit high and judge low, looking on other people, looking down your nose, which goes back to that inferiority thing. And now this is one one thing that my grandmother didn't use that term schadenfreude, but she used to say there is a haughty regulator. And she used to say things like, just keep living, baby. And she said, never be haughty. She says, because your turn is always coming. And then this was the thing that I think all my siblings and probably a lot of kids growing up in the South could say. And it would be like, be careful who you kick on your way up because they'll be there laughing at you on your way down. And, and so that was the warnings against schadenfreude. But I'm just going to let you know, it's a cycle. Every person is on the receiving and the giving end of schadenfreude from time to time. Another story for you real quick. So I'm at the local, what was it? It wasn't Walmart. It was something smaller. I think it was like a little grocery store in my town. Oh, I know what it was. It was Kmart. Ah, Yes, I had a little job at Kmart when I was in high school and I had my car and um, I was haughty. I'll just say it. I had recently transferred to a new school that I didn't want to be at and I did not like those kids because <laughs> they were beneath me. They weren't as well read as I was. Remember, my mother had instilled a learning a loving uh, a, a love for learning through books on our own and I was well read I was in advanced placement classes one of the only few blacks moving from an all-black town to an predominantly Caucasian environment and I'm the only well one of the only blacks in in my uh, course curriculum and the other folks are looking at me like who she thinks she is <laughs> you know so I just embraced the hardiness honey um, I was dressed well I had quote-unquote culture and my mother used to call me Sadiddy yes y'all Sadiddy <laughs> but so anyway, I'm driving in my car because at the time I'm working at the Kmart trying to save up money for school and stuff. And um, I can't remember if I was coming to work or going. But some of those people that uh, were at my high school that didn't like me and I didn't like them because we weren't in the same, we didn't matriculate in the same circles. Let's just put it that way. They saw me and I looked at them and I was pulling out and I'll never forget it, you guys. I was pulling out and I was giving them the evil eye because they were giving me the evil eye. And all of a sudden, boom, so hard that my chest hits the horn of the car and they burst out laughing. Well, you know, I was in the parking lot and I don't know if uh, you have them there, but they were these tall lights, parking lot lights on metal beams. And at the bottom, there was um, 
a cement enclosure, uh, encasement. And this one was round. Some of them are blocks or whatever. Some of them are decorative. But at the time, uh, this one was a round one. And I mean, as I'm telling you, the story is flashing back in my mind. It was yellow. It was painted yellow. I guess it was there to keep people aware of its presence. But I backed into it so hard that I put a U-shaped dent in my bumper and my uh, trunk of my little car and they burst out laughing. And honey, let me tell you something. Being on the other side of schadenfreude is a no fun. But it is part of our circle of life. <laughs> yeah, I went there, Lion King. Um, and I, I, there was no saving face because I was wrong and I wasn't looking where I was going. I was giving them the evil eye, the stank eye, whatever you want to call it. And my car got messed up and I was just I was distraught I don't even remember how I managed to get the body work finished fixed but I did some kind of way I did but anyway I digress so um I looked at them and I'll be honest with you after that incident and I had to come back to school and see them in the hallways because of course we didn't have any classes together the level of animosity went down it was kind of like in hindsight, you know, you get this hindsight 2020 kind of thing. I realized that they needed that to alleviate some of the accurate, uh, the uh, acrimonious inferiority that they had toward me because I was just, I was human just like them. That's the same thing that people do when they delight in hearing the bad of, um, their heroes, the celebrities, the powerful. That's why a lot of these uh, uh, companies and individuals now do nothing but focus on politicians, celebrities, uh, the the rich and famous, and that and they look for the dirt. Um, going back to that article in the Guardian where it talked about um, the uh, Schadenfreude syndrome. And, you know, it being a guilty pleasure or it shouldn't be one, I think is what it said. They talked about a research that was done uh, while um, Germans were observing uh, soccer, football, they call it football, football game. And they noticed <laughs> that in their research that when the other team had a mishap or uh, missed a point, that their smiles were larger or more affected than when their own team scored a goal or, you know, had something good happen. That's the power of schadenfreude. I was just like, wow. And so, I, I, like I said, I was looking at it and looking at the times that I was on one side or the other of it. Um, <laughs> I could go on and on with the different stories of uh, me doing stuff and stuff being done to me, but I'm pretty sure by now you're starting to see the same thing. So what's the wisdom smack from this? What I have learned is that there are going to always be dark sides to us, shadow parts, whatever you want to call them. You know, the, the, the side, the other side of the coin, like my grandmother usually likes to say, there's always going to be the other side of the coin. But we shouldn't be so fast to deny it or try to dismiss it like it's just for somebody else because that's not the case. It is for all of us. And usually, you know, the way nature likes to work, uh, nature likes to be very effective and efficient. Uh, there are certain things that we do 
and it's for the purpose of being effective and efficient. And one of the things that I will say is this. Um, <laughs> there are times when we partake in schadenfreude. And let me preface this. I'm not trying to uh, make a case for or against it. I'm just saying it's a, I believe, a necessary component of our life. There are times when we need to see a comeuppance. We need to see a divine retribution. We need to see karma strike someone. And it is because in our states of living, everybody has their own row to hoe, as my grandparents used to say. Everybody has their hard times. And being able to look at somebody else who may have been in a station and a status so far above us that they, be, they look to be mythical helps us to be able, when we see that they're human too and that they go through things too, helps us to deal with that chasm of inferiority that we have felt. Think of the last time you saw something reported that was true, not just the gossip, but that was true over someone who seemed to always have the famed and glamorous life. Um, Or even if you can't think of one, think of how it's been portrayed in media. Um, (laughs) Think of how uh, there are people that they say are plotting your demise every day because if they feel like you are doing better than them then there has got to be a comeuppance there has got to be a recompense there has got to be karma visited on you because everybody can't always have it well all the time and there are a lot of people that believe that if you have too much good as they think then you've got to be doing something wrong and karma needs to be visited on you fast and furious. So in our, our, our getting and all of that, yes, we have schadenfreude. We have the empathy shadow on our back and you can partake in it a little bit because there are some offshoots to help you negate your uh, feeling of displaced um, judgment, if you will. Uh, to help you alleviate and eliminate some of the inferiority, to even help you bond with others. Um, spectator, the spectator sport of it, to you know, where people are offering unsolicited advice to practice their skills. You know, all of those things come into play when we're we're dealing with this, as the Chinese, I mean, excuse me, as the Japanese like to say, the misfortunes of others tasting like honey. Uh, so there is something to this thing that when you feel crappy, I feel happy. It's not all bad, but it's not all good. So just be aware of it. And so that's going to do it for me. My time is up. I surely do thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiver with Wisdom Smack. Now, if you like this uh, podcast, please do us a favor by sharing it, liking it, and commenting. And if you really like it, also uh, consider helping to support the podcast by using our link that takes you directly to Amazon uh, at michellespiva.com forward slash A-M- Z. And if you use that link and happen to purchase something, this podcast may receive a small compensation for it. And it'll do a lot to help us continue to get this podcast out. So thank you so much. I'll see you tomorrow.
And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.